The views expressed in this podcast are not representative of T13 Media. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only and should not be used in lieu of professional advice or guidance. In this week's episode, I talk about the topic or the idea or the phrase of what now. I know many of us have found ourselves saying it to ourselves or out loud or to our friends, what now or now what? So I hope you have your fork and knife ready because lunch is served. Hey guys, welcome back to another Lunch Lady Mantra podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, I'm super excited just about where life is taking me and all the new adventures I'm going on. And I'm just excited to, again, unpack with you for another week. So I hope you guys are excited. So like I mentioned, the topic of this week's mantra podcast is kind of like the phrase, what now? I know that every so often you may find yourself asking, what now? You know, you may have plans with your friend and your friend may back out of them. You say, what now? Uh, You put all your eggs into a basket for, I don't know, maybe like a trip, an adventure that you were taking um, and it just fell through. So you ask yourself, like, what now? Or you applied to a job, so on and so forth. And you just always come to that intersection of life and you're like, what now? So I kind of just want to like recap of what I've been going through, what my life has been like, and kind of how I am got, got to this idea of what now and this topic. But before we dive in, I just want to give a couple shout outs. First and foremost, this shout out goes out to my mother, right? My mom is super dope. She just graduated from Buffalo State College, which is where I graduated from. So now we are part of the same alma mater, which is super cool. She just got, um, well, she actually got a bachelor's degree in individualized studies. She took a minor in deviant behavior, a minor in religion, and a minor in sociology. She really wants to be a drug and alcohol counselor, so she also went to school before this bachelor's program to get her KSAC. Um, But when entering the drug and alcohol field, she wants to make sure that she's well-rounded and very understanding of the specific life instances that individuals go through when getting to the point of using. And she wants to be able to really understand all the different walks of life that um, may, have allowed, uh, may have allowed for her clients or patients to get in front of her, essentially. So super awesome. You know, my mom is just really inspiring and it always proves to you that you're like, you're never, A, it's never too late to go back to school and B, anyone can do it. Like you can persevere. She was running a household. She maintains a business and she takes care of like me and my brothers and my stepdad, whether he wants to admit it or not. You know, um, and she's always there for my emotional support. So it's it's amazing that she has done so much in school and in her business and invested so much in, of her time into all of her, you know, outlets. And she's just coming on, on top victorious. So again, shout out to my mom. And another shout out, shout out to my best friend, Delilah. Um, I'm not too sure if any of you guys know who she is. You may have seen her on my Instagram story recently. Uh, we have been best friends for the last like 13 years. I absolutely love her. Um, I have to admit, this is the longest amount of time that I went without seeing her. Um, we usually see each other like every day when I lived in Buffalo, New York, and now, um, I live in San Francisco. So we went through nine months of not seeing each other, which was the longest period of time we have both ever gone without seeing each other in the last like 13 years. Um, I moved to Italy for school for three months and that was rough. So like 
the last nine months have been drastically crazy. But she just recently got engaged to an awesome dude who like I think is so great for her. And I am so excited to see where their life takes them. And I really feel as though if there would be anyone in the world who could take my best friend's hand, my, like my sister's hand, essentially, um, I'm glad it's him. So I also want to give her a shout out before um, I go into this, you know, topic. Okay, so now that the shout outs are out of the way, let's just dive right into it. So as I have mentioned in past and prior podcasts, I have been going through so much with all the programs that I've been applying for, uh, for grad school and getting waitlisted from like George Washington University. Um, I was denied by Albany University. Then I was actually offered a certificate program into their school, which would allow me like, you know, one year of studying. Then after that year of studying, I could reapply for the program that I initially applied for. Yeah, uh, Syracuse University denied me. Uh, clearly, I didn't have the credentials um, that I needed to to have to get into the program at the moment. Um, so when that happened a few months ago, that was more so around like February, you know, April timeframe, I was asking myself like, okay, what now? Like, what is it that I do? What should I do? Because now I'm not going into grad school in the fall like I planned. So... I remember what it was like to feel that feeling of defeat, essentially, and then you're asking yourself, what now, from a space and a feeling of scarcity, from a space of feeling of, of fear, you know? So when I was asking myself, like, what now, I was, like, fearful of the future. I felt like I didn't have much, so I was also asking, like, what now, as if I was, like, destitute or as if, like, there was no other options for myself. So then um, I also applied to a fellowship, which is the um, Sacramento State uh, Assembly Fellowship, excuse me, you know, the California State Assembly Fellowship, Jesse Unruh Assembly Fellowship. There's many names for it, but it's very well known. It's one of the most prestigious legislative fellowships in the nation, probably the most legis- most prestigious legislative fellowship in the state of California. Um, and when I applied to this, I really didn't think I was going to get any traction from my application just because it's a very competitive application. Over 500 people apply or roughly 500 people um, they pick 70 to 100 to interview and only choose 18 individuals to actually pursue the fellowship. So um, I applied to that program in the midst of also like finishing up all my grad school applications. And I really didn't think much about this, especially after I got denied and waitlisted from all my grad schools. So I'm finding myself asking, what now? And about like a week goes by, a couple weeks go by, and the feeling of what now is no longer kind of sad. Essentially, it's exciting because then I feel like I almost have like a new lease on life. It's interesting when you have to go back to the drawing board and it's almost invigorating sometimes when you actually get the chance to go back and start over, right? And sometimes that that's hard and it's emotionally draining. It could be physically and mentally draining, but there are so many good positives in being able to kind of just start over and start again I am a firm believer in everything happens for a reason, and I truly have been shown that throughout my life, that everything happens for a reason. It's just very hard to hear that phrase being played, being able to take that own advice while you are navigating through situations. So I interviewed with the Jesse Unruh Assembly Fellowship. You know, these are all these tongue twisters for the name of this program. Um, I interviewed a couple weeks ago when my friend Simone, 
um, from Europe was in town. If you guys don't know who he is, check out the podcast, Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. Um, I actually talk with him and he's co-hosting on the topic of just like, you know, global warming. It's kind of like a political angle, but it's very interesting if you're interested in kind of that aspect. He's very well knowledgeable in the political arena as well as uh, kind of like global warming and global climate change. So if you're interested, definitely check that episode out. But um, yeah, so I went to go interview for this program in Sacramento while Simone was, you know, here visiting, which was like one of the greatest people to be here visiting me while I'm like going through this political fellowship process of interviewing. And he's like this political assassin. And um, I killed the interview. I, I really killed it. And I'm not saying that to like toot my own horn. I was even told by some of the individuals that I did really well in my interview. My presence was great. The way I answered questions, made eye contact, gave a little humor, allowed them to really like know who, who I was. And, you know, for situations like a fellowship or for a grad program or things like this, it's really good. The main point that some individuals really want to see is like who you are. Um, so like I no longer during this interview, I no longer had kind of like the what now I was like, all right, well then this fellowship is it. That's what the universe is telling me I need to do because I got waitlisted from grad school and it was all the same program. It was a master's in public administration, which would allow me like a fast track to getting into like political or government work. I really wanted to work in the government and do, um, legislative, legislative things and, you know, be an analyst and check out the, the laws that are prohibiting certain people from just kind of excelling in life and, you know, checking on all the systematic barriers that are keeping people of color down and keeping LGBTQ people, um, unsafe, you know. So I was notified about, a week and a half ago, so while I was visiting Buffalo. So I'll, let me just also say, I went to Buffalo about two weeks ago to go visit, you know, friends and family to go watch my mom graduate, which is amazing. Shout out to my mom again. She walked across that stage and I was amped. Um, I went to go see my friend Delilah, you know, so I spent time in Buffalo. When I got to Buffalo, two days later, I was notified by the Jesse Unruh Assembly Fellowship Program that I was an alternate for their program. They said, congratulations, we are pleased to inform you that you are an alternate for this position. Basically, that means I was waitlisted. You know, I they went on to say that if anyone drops from the program um, during the next several months, you will have a position and a spot in this program. Like, you're next up. And let me just say, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm very... I feel accomplished that I was able to kind of, like, score number 19, right? So, like, again, over... 400 people apply, 500 people apply, 70 to 100 interview, only 18 get selected, and I was chosen as an alternate, like, the next up. So, like, I'm, like, number 19. That's cool, and that was great, but I still found myself asking, okay, but what now? What is it that I'm going to do? So, I, like, I've, like, some of you already may know, I have already signed up to work another year of AmeriCorps in San Francisco. So before I even knew I had the inter, inter, uh, interview excuse me, with the fellowship, there was like a gap where I, I was asking myself, like, what now, what now, what now? That I was already denied from grad school and I didn't hear back from the fellowship yet. So I just re-signed for another year in AmeriCorps because I'm a planner. I, I'm really pragmatic. Um, I really need to, like, pragmatic. I really need to know what's going on. I need to have it, like, planned out and it needs to be practical. I need to completely understand everything. So I'm kind of not the kind of person who needs to just go on a whim or who can like really go on the whim. 
So I, again, signed up for AmeriCorps for another year just to have that set in place, just to know that, like, I'm doing something productive no matter what it is. I'm just not ready at this point in, in my life to just get some mediocre job that's just going to, like, pay me because that's not really, like, what fulfills me. I'm really all about fulfillment at this point in my life, and I'm really about what makes my soul feel good. I want to go to work and know that I'm going into like a family setting, or I'm going into work and I'm feeling good, and it doesn't matter how much I get paid because I genuinely love my job, which is why I signed up for AmeriCorps again. Um, but again, I always go back to the drawing board ever so much now because of like being waitlisted from all these different programs that were all politically centered. So I've been asking myself, like, what now? Like, yes, I'm signed up for AmeriCorps for another year. Um, but what now? And for a couple days, I was still thinking like, this is just such a negative way of thinking. Like I'm thinking from a place of scarcity, I'm fearful. It's, it's nerve wracking. Yes, I have to go back to the drawing board, but ugh, I don't really want to do that. It's tough. It's rough. It's a lot of work, a lot of research, this, that, and the fourth. All of these negative, unrealistic ideas that I had in my head, all these conversations. And do you know what I found out when I got back to the drawing board this time in life? Like this time, this time when I felt for the first time again that I just didn't really have a surefire plan that was actually going to just really, really do something for me. Like, let me just say, like, I love my job. I love AmeriCorps, but I've been doing it for so long now. So next year will be my third year. And it's a huge sacrifice of your life. It's a year normally, and you take a drastic pay cut. And sometimes you're overworked and you're clearly underpaid. So like emotionally and mentally, that can have an effect on you. And I live in San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in all of the nation. So obviously that has an effect on anyone who's working this program in San Francisco. So I was just like at home and chilling in Buffalo, kind of ignoring that what now and not really thinking about it. I was like at home in good company with my mom and my friends and my family and my stepdad, whatever. But as soon as I got on that plane, coming back to San Francisco, it was like immediate what now? What are you going to do now? And during that time, again, I was saying like, God, this is such a bad feeling and having to just just kind of like have that anxiety. Um, but then... It was almost like a beam of light hit me when I was like mentally sitting at the drawing board. And it was like, do you know how many people, this is literally like what a phrase went through my head. It was like God, it was heavenly. It literally said, do you know how many people wish they could be in your place right now? And I don't mean like in San Francisco or, you know, my job or whatever. I mean, literally, do you know how many people wish they could be at the drawing board? Do you know how many people wish they could have that opportunity, that they don't have any anchors that allows them to take a step back and rethink their things out? You know, some people have kids or a, a home or all of these, I like to call them anchors, certain things in your life that does not allow you to move in flexible or pivotal ways that you would like to because of said anchors. And you can't go back to the drawing board because of said anchors. And I don't know where that phrase came from. I don't know what where those words or that line or whatever, but in my head, and I was on the plane, I was like, yeah. Wow. I get to go back to the drawing board. I get to go back. Not I have to go back. So I also made a podcast about changing the language that we have with ourselves. And I seen uh, something on Instagram that really reiterated it. Like saying the phrase, I have to do this versus I can do this or I get to do this starts to change the way you look at the situation. So I get to go back to the drawing board. 
I get to start over and rethink where my life path is going to take me. I get to go back and see like, all right, yes, I'm knocking on many doors. Like the analogy, like knock on a door and like keep on pushing until one opens. And a couple weeks ago, I felt like my hand was tired. You know, I've just been knocking and knocking and knocking on all these doors And I was just like, my hands, like, I'm not getting anywhere. None of these doors are opening. Some of them may crack, but then shut real quickly. And it's just, it was, it was really frustrating. But then I'm back at the drawing board on my way home from San, I mean, on my way home from Buffalo. I'm landing in San Francisco. My mind's running crazy because that's how my mind works. You can literally see me thinking there's like steam coming out of my ears. And then it hits me. It's like, A, well, a couple things hit me, right? A, it's like, first and foremost, you really love creating content. I got a bachelor's degree in communications. I uh, communication studied and I minored in Italian. So I was more so focused on my language, studying abroad. Then I came back from studying abroad. And I was more focused on the clubs that I was running on campus. And no one told me too when you're entering into a communication degree that you should probably major or minor in something specific specifically related to communications like public relations or or journalism or you know broadcasting none of that which I did so in my degree I more so studied theory I learned how to do a little bit of like journalism writing and a little bit of production a little bit of everything but mainly focused on theories which was cool because I'm really into theories I'm really into the way that we connect with people but I didn't really have the credentials to get into production or really anything like that. So I just, and I I didn't really have the heart either. Let me say that. I really wanted to give back and do community service work and uh, advocate for populations and people and be the activist that I've always meant to be. And that's what I'm doing. But so I realized that I'm really into content. I have a communication degree that I'm not using that I should have done something with. So then I start thinking about, all right, so let's put that in front of us on the drawing board. You have a BA in communication. You really like content creating. You're really into podcasting and you're trying to get into like creating videos for YouTube and actually making your content professional. Think about that. Then I also start to think about you like to motivate people. You like to inspire people. Like I like to push you forward in life. Like if I, if anything, when I die, I hope someone says, well, he was definitely inspirational. He definitely helped me get through one of my days. He helped me do this. You know, that's all I want. I want to be able to have people know that I'm here for the betterment of all of us. So I put that on the table. Like, okay, you love to help people. Like this is what you want to do. Go back to the drawing board. Because again, I have to highlight something that someone told me and I forget it often. But you may have a select destination of success in your mind. And you may think that there's only one path to get there for you, but that's not true. There are many different paths that you can take to get to your ideal position of success But you got to keep on knocking on those doors, man. Even if your hand is tired, switch hands and start using the other one. Because eventually you're going to find that path, that door that is meant to open for you. Eventually I'm going to find that path and that door that's meant to open for me. Sometimes, though, we just got to head back to the drawing board. So, yeah. So now I'm, like, analyzing the fact that, like, okay, cool. Dude, you got a BA in communication with a minor in Italian. So you obviously love talking. You love language. You love people. Bow. You love to inspire people. That's a whole nother thing. So bow. Now now I'm like thinking about all the things that I said as a kid. Like when I was a kid, I always said I wanted to be a motivational speaker. That's what I always wanted to be. I always just wanted to tour the world and motivate people. 
well, I'm not touring, and I'm sure as hell not as big as, as I can be yet, right? But I'm starting to move towards that. I'm starting to motivate people. And I'm doing this out of, out of the free will of my heart. There's no job, um, no person above me saying that I have to do this. I'm doing this because this is what my passion is. Um, and it's just so interesting when you get the chance really in life to go back to the drawing board and you're able to analyze some of these things and you're just like, wow, like, wow, look at this. So now I've analyzed that. I really like to just inspire people, move people forward. I have this communication degree. Granted, I don't have a lot of experience in the communication field. Um, I do with communication theory and I do with communication groups and how we actually communicate with each other when it comes to actual verbal and nonverbal communication. So then I'm like, why don't you go back for a degree in organizational communication or leadership and communication and communication theories, which then led me to my next idea of why don't you just go get your PhD in communications eventually and become a professor and teach communication. And that way you can add in the, your advocacy. You can add in the way you want people to understand other populations of people through your communication course because that's how I was taught. I was literally turned into an activist through my communication theory courses, between the books that I had to read, the assignments that I had to do. I mean, one of my professors literally sent my whole class out into the hood for a for a, a photo project and not to showcase um, people particularly, but the actual infrastructure, the streets, the, the stores, go into the stores, see what kind of produce or products that they have in the stores that are in quote off quote on low income neighborhoods, hoods, you know. And all of that was through a communication degree. So I'm like, you know what? You're going to school for, yes, political science, which is really interesting. I've been really interested in politics. But I have to be honest with you guys. And I was honest with the interviewing team, too, who interviewed me for the Jesse Fellow, um, the Jesse Unruh Assembly Fellowship. They asked me if I was offered a position to vote on something that was against my moral conduct, what would I do? And I literally told them, I was like, well, that's a really hard question, seeing as that I could never vote on something that's going to harm people, especially children. So when it comes down to like my moral conduct, that's always going to come first because I genuinely feel fulfilled when other people are doing well. Um, so then I'm like, you know what? Maybe you should go to do something that you actually love wholeheartedly all the way around that you are just in love with. Like, I'm not super in love with uh, broadcast journalism, but I could totally be like a talk show host. I'm just not a fan of the way you have to write scripts, but we could get past that, right? And these are all these thoughts that are coming back to the drawing board. I also think that I'm going to get certified as a life coach because I think I personally would be great as a life coach. I, I know I sound a little arrogant. I'm sorry. That's not the way I'm trying to come across. I just think if I was equipped with the proper skills and the proper technique and teaching that uh, life coaches are equipped with, I would be able to just really, really hone in on some of the things that I'm talking about currently. And I, I would be really able to help people in certain ways that would be just dramatic for people. And I would love to be able to do that. I would love to just be able to help someone move from place to place directly. You know, that way people can actually like hit, hit me up one-on-one. -on -one. We can do consultations and I'll help you get to a place where you need to be. And while I'm like going to school. So also because I didn't get waitlisted, I mean, because I didn't get accepted to any of these programs and I'm not super in love with San Francisco, 
I can have the next year to rethink where I want to move to next. Now, my best friend Delilah is moving to Chicago. My roommate Kate, who I spoke with on my second episode or third episode, which is talking about AmeriCorps, Kate is moving to Chicago because she got accepted into DePaul. Kate's best friend, who I know, Kaylee, who also lives in San Francisco, she's moving to Chicago. Um, You know, Delilah's moving with her fiance, who I absolutely adore. So there's just so many people like pulling to Chicago. Now I can play with this idea. You know, a couple months ago, I was like, you're either going to end up in like Syracuse, Washington, D.C., or you're going to get this like Sacramento State Fellowship and stay in California. All places that I really didn't want to end up, I just wanted to go there for their school programs. Now, there's also really great colleges in Chicago that offer communication degrees. There's also a college that offers a life coaching certification. So it almost just seems like, well, A, maybe Chicago is like the move in a couple years or like a year, but it also just seems like you, I was waitlisted. I was denied. I was told like, hey, you almost got it. Like, this is almost where you're supposed to be, but it wasn't how I'm supposed to get there. Like my idea of success and my ideal space of advocacy and being an advocate and an activist does not have to be through a political arena. It doesn't have to be through a political science degree or a master's in public administration degree. And to be honest, my professor in college was one of the most dopest activists I ever met. And he just wrote books, right? He was just attending. He was a speaker and he just wrote books. He was never really kind of just rallying or uh, really causing a stirring or ruckus. The things that he did was very intellectual and impactful for groups of people. And I was very impacted by the way that he moved through his communication. So that's kind of like where I'm at with the what now. It's one of the best feelings that I've had in a really long time. And I'm just being so honest with you. When you can just appreciate the fact that you're at the drawing board again, it can be so exciting. It really can be. You get the chance to just kind of rethink your future, rethink where you want to go. So now I could possibly be like a professor of communication theory by also being a life coach on the side while also like going to do speeches to other colleges about how important like public speaking skills are and how important standing up for what you believe in is and giving back to your community. I'd love to do a TED talk. I always said that when I was younger. I've been saying it a lot more recently that I really want to give a TED talk on like communication and how we interact with people and not understanding that individuals of color or queer individuals are living life in multiple intersections and they have to confront so many other things that other individuals don't have to. And the way we just have proper communication can really trigger individuals. And I just want to talk about those theories and talk about what we can do as a culture and as a society to help shift just the natural narrative that we all have and allowing also people like me and other individuals similar to me or other individuals who are not similar to me, giving us the space at the table that we deserve to speak truth to our own stories and speak truth to our own representation. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to just take this full scale, you know, basically this podcast in real life action for you, okay? And again, it's not, it's not a great feeling when you get denied by a person, by a job, by an entity, by an organization, by a fellowship, by a school. It's not. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you, well, there's like sparkles and glitter in that rejection or denial. And you may have had all your eggs in that basket. And that may have been what you think in that moment. That's what you needed. But I am here to tell you, I am here to tell you that if you can find at least one lucky star 
while you're back at the drawing board, follow that star because it's going to lead you to just uh, just this beautiful atmosphere of tons of different stars that you can choose from, that you genuinely can choose from. It's like the world is your candy store again. It's like your oyster. You have the opportunity to just start over, right? Just start over. And honestly, that's where I'm at in my life. So again, I'm going to stay in San Francisco for another year. I'm going to take the next year to kind of figure out what grad school program is going to best suit me for my passions, best suit me for me, best suit me. Because if I'm not if I'm not fulfilling my own cup, I won't be able to fill anyone else's cup. And I talked about being able to save other people, but I'm not trying to save myself, right? I'm trying to lift up other people, but I'm really not trying to lift up myself. So going back to the drawing board can be one of the most beautiful things. I know when you first get there, sometimes it's hard. It's just not easy. But if you're able to see the light of day through that, I'm telling you, where the future is going to lead you can be beautiful because I could just be a life coach out here teaching at a university and slaying all over the world, speaking to people. Who knows where I'm going to end up? And honestly, I'm so excited for the ride in the future ahead of me. I can't tell you enough. And I'm excited for you all to be along this ride with me and this journey. Thank you. Who knows where we're all going to end up? And who knows what this podcast may turn into? Who knows where I may go? I'm trying to be the next Oprah. Oprah. <laughs> you never know, okay? There's someone needs to replace Oprah and Ellen. There needs to be the next best. Listen, I have an idea about a show, but I sent it to Ellen recently. Like, no joke, I emailed uh, Ellen's team because this idea for a TV show I think would be dope. So if they don't get back to me, then I'll let you guys know. Uh, but if they do, then fingers crossed. Anyways, so yeah, moral of this story, man, is when you get to the drawing board and you're finding yourself asking, what now? Just know that it can be very exciting, okay? All right, well, that was your lunch for this week. I hope you liked it. I hope you're full, and I will see you next week. Bye.